Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Time for this series to get real in a hurry. Today we're talking about anger. (laughs) And I'm not especially proud of the first story that comes to my mind, but it's one that I feel comfortable sharing, so I'll do it. And that was when I got my first dog on my own. I always grew up with dogs in the house, you know, so we had uh, a couple uh, as uh, I was growing up, miniature schnauzers. And uh, when I uh, was first becoming a pastor, I heard how lonely small town parsonages could could be. uh, I thought it would be good to have a dog of my own. And so I got one, I named him Arvo, uh, and I've only known a couple of people who've gotten that reference. Uh, He's a a contemporary classical music composer who's German and has a big beard. Thus, if you have a miniature schnauzer, Arvo Arvo Paird is the composer. It's a good name, right? (laughs) And you know how it is if you've had a puppy. Puppies they learn to go outside. (laughs) They don't know that when you first get them, right? And here I was in my early 20s with a puppy for the first time of my own, having to clean up every single time, getting fed up with it. And in this particular moment, he had followed me into the bathroom and sure enough, right there, out it comes on the tile. And it's a small little bathroom. You know, I lived in an apartment at the time. Uh, so, you know, it's like, uh, it's like I'm here and he's right here in front of me and I just go, no! <laughs> and it echoes in the walls of the bathroom, right? This is the voice of God, if ever it was for a puppy. And he just looks up at me and you know the little toe space beneath the vanity? He just kind of goes over in the toast and I felt so bad. You know, I traumatized my puppy. Now, the best thing about dogs, of course, is that they are very forgiving. And of course, he and I made up. And the real funny part is that he was technically doing it in the bathroom, but we, we won't go into that for a second. Okay, now please don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever had an anger moment? Yeah, it would be 100%, right? If we're honest, we've all had an anger moment of some type, and that is our topic today. You know, the series we're doing is called Raise Them Up, Parenting in a Hectic World. And in one sense, this is a series about parenting, but... I believe that the lessons of parenting are really the lessons for all of life. You know, those that aren't, uh, those that uh, aren't parents still still need the same things, right? We still learn the same things in other places. Uh, Parenting just happens to be a good vehicle to talk about it. And I think it's also good for the parents among us to look for those opportunities to bring God into the journey and to be present with God in that journey of parenting too. Now, last week is the one it really all comes down to, uh, and that is love, unconditional love. So if you missed last week's, you can catch it on our website. You can even uh, get the podcast. You can even get it on Alexa if you're fast. Want to see me have fun with our uh, online worshipers this morning? Watch this. Alexa, open Trinity Lincoln. I'll guarantee you it happened at at least one of their houses. <laughs> but you can catch the, sorry, you can catch, you can catch it on there if you're fast. The new one will go up in a little bit, of course. Now, there's no reason not to be uh, uh, honest about the whole anger thing, like I said. The emotion of anger is how our mind communicates that something has crossed a line. 
You know, and anger can certainly be unhealthy if the anger itself crosses a line in return, right? So when anger uh, crosses the line into abuse, that is very bad and wrong and needs dealt with, of course. But there is such a thing as healthy anger. You know, if you want to think on a, on a big picture, you know, a little less personal, uh, think about anger at the injustice in the world, the anger that we see in the prophets in the Bible at injustice and that we feel ourselves when we look at um, a, a certain parts of climate change, uh, racial injustice in the world, right? There's an anger. That's a healthy kind of anger. And healthy anger leads us to take action. You know, that's a little easier to see when you talk about the big impersonal things, but it's true in our personal relationships, too, that uh, healthy anger uh, causes us to take action to establish that boundary and to keep things right. You know, there's one thing uh, that I uh, oftentimes hear when I'm working with families on on a funeral. Uh, I've heard multiple families uh, say, well, he never raised his voice or she never raised his voice. Now, okay. I never quite believe it when they say that. (laughs) Now, I think what they really mean by that is that they never cross that line into abuse, that their anger never got out of control. But there is no parent that, that, that doesn't get angry. There's no human being that never gets angry. Because for a child, and for all of us really, the only way we know where the boundaries of life are is by bumping up against them. How else do we know where the boundaries are? And healthy anger is a natural reaction, and it leads to communication and an establishing of how things should be. It's saying, hey, that's too far, back off a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but, and uh, 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 so healthy anger is to be expected with kids, especially because they're learning so much. All right, I have another example for you. So we got a Roomba in our house uh, a few, uh, oh, what, probably six months or a year ago. Now, it, it actually isn't the Roomba brand, so I should probably call, call it a robot vacuum. But you know what I mean, right? They're kind of these round things, and they have little bumper sensors on the side, and they learn the shape of the room. And then while you're gone, you tell it when you're going to be gone, and it vacuums the room while you're gone, right? And it learns where the furniture is and bumps around it, that sort of thing. Now, the instruction manual makes it very clear on the one we got that this robot vacuum, this Roomba, has to bump into things, right? That's how it learns. Its sensors uh, don't quite know where things are until it actually touches it. So it says, don't let it bother you. And the manual even says, don't expect it to go around the room in an orderly fashion because that's not how it learns. It learns by crisscrossing. It learns by going all over in a, in a pattern that you cannot possibly discern. But eventually, it does learn the shape of the room. Now, at our house, oh, and now what, what, what the manual doesn't explain, though, is that when you actually watch it do it, sometimes it bumps into the same thing over and over again. And for that, I have no explanation. You know, you can kind of, this probably, look, oh, I have my water there. It probably looks really great online, right? But it kind of does this thing where it bumps, and then it, then it turns a little bit, and then it bumps into it again, and then it turns a little bit, and then it bumps into it, right? This is, this is how it learns. Sometimes it has to bump into the same thing more than once. Now, we only run our Roomba when we're home, since our dog Lily has her own anger issues with regards to it. (laughs) And I've noticed that it never does become orderly. Like, I expected it to learn the shape of the room and then go in a nice orderly fashion, right? Nah, it stays crisscrossing the entire time, at least our brand of it does. And I know I need to stop worrying about it, and just tune it out, 
but I can't. Like, I have to understand what's in that robot vacuum's mind, so to speak, right? And so I watch that thing crisscrossing around the room, and I watch it bumping into things again and again, and I think, well, it's learning. You can see in the app, it has a whole picture of the room in there. But I have to admit, watching that thing bump in again and again stresses me out. And sometimes I, can't, I just can't take it and I have to hit the return to home button in the app. You know, it's the robot vacuum equivalent of go to your room, you're bumping into too many boundaries all at once. And even then, even after you tell it to go to its room, it bumps into things on the way as if it's forgotten where its room was. <laughs> Wait, I'm still talking about the vacuum, right? Okay, boundaries. It's about learning boundaries. <laughs> Anger is natural. Jesus got angry. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus encountered some people who were taking advantage of, uh, of worshipers at the temple. And he was so angry at it that he overturned the tables uh, to stop them from taking advantage of the people who were there in good faith. The Old Testament is full of God's anger. And oh, there's a lot more to say about the anger we see in the Old Testament, of course. And sometimes it uh, uh, crosses over into wrath. And I think, I don't know, there's a lot more that needs to be said there that there isn't uh, room for here. But here's one thing we can definitely take from it. It turns out God's people have always had a tendency to test boundaries. And we being God's people have always had a tendency to test boundaries. Now, much could be said about God's anger in the Bible, like I say. Uh, but there's something else that we see in God's anger. There's something else that we see in the anger that we see in God and in Jesus in the Bible that's an example for us to follow. And for that, I want to consider the story of Noah and the flood today. Now, of course, we heard it a few moments ago, uh, but I'll, I'll read parts of it for you again. I have a hunch all of you know the, Noah floor, uh, the, the Noah, Noah's Ark story. It's one of the best-known stories in the Bible. And it's a little bit troubling if, you're, if we're honest about it. You know, we put it on uh, Sunday school room walls, you know, murals of all the animals and the rainbows, and that's great for kids. But when you grow up and you consider that part of what happens in the story is God wiping out humanity, that's a little bit disturbing. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that's really quite what's going on. There is a more nuanced way to understand that. And sometime when we're in a small group together or one-on-one, -on -one, ask me and I'd be happy to tell more. But one thing we definitely see in it, though, is anger, right? This is God being angry. God's people have tested the boundaries a little too much and they haven't been very good at it. And everybody needs a little bit of a time out. And so the flood comes on the earth. But the part that I more want to focus on today is what happens after it's over. You know, the way the story is told, the way it's relayed to us, God loses his cool a little bit, right? He, God has a moment of anger himself. The people, uh, the, the, the people certainly feel it. But then afterwards, this happens. God speaking in the scripture here. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will life be cut off by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. This is the symbol of the covenant that I am drawing up between me and you and every living thing on behalf of every future in, uh, generation. I have placed my bow in the clouds. It will be the symbol of the covenant between me and the earth. 
When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember the covenant between me and you and every living things and all the creatures. So not only is there forgiveness, not only is there reconciliation, but there's a sign of it. There's a show of forgiveness, of reconciliation, and a reminder, an enduring reminder that the relationship is more important than what just happened. It's forgiveness. You know, in some sense, oh, this is trivializing the Noah story, but in some sense, it's God saying, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it, right? <laughs> but after everyone had had a chance to cool down, God, God in the story not only sees how much he loves his children, but he makes a show so that they know it too. I'm repeating myself here because of just how important that is. So I want to ask you this morning, how do you show forgiveness? For me and my kids, it's usually a hug. You know, when something's happened, when I've lost my cool or when they've had an anger moment or something like that, there's, at first it was by accident, of course, not an intentional thing, but it seemed like there was always a hug that was like, okay, we're good. Now I make a point of it. Now, if we've had a disagreement, if we've had a, a kerfuffle between us, if I've lost my cool and had a moment of anger at the end of a long day or whatever it may happen to be, or if they have, I make sure that hug happens because it's a show of forgiveness. My wife, I asked her if I could share this, and in fact, uh, when, I, when I asked her, she, did, she said she didn't even realize she does, she does this. But she's very good at the words. She actually says, it's okay, I forgive you do you forgive me? And there's something about making a show of that moment of forgiveness, of that moment of reconciliation, that moment of placing my bow in the clouds as a reminder that the relationship is more important than the moment that was difficult. There's something special about that. There's something important about that. You ready for this? There's something sacred about that because God is always present in reconciliation. There is nothing more Christian than forgiveness. And when we make a point of it, God is always, always there. So the next time you get angry at someone, whether it's kids at your parents, whether it's parents at your kids, whether it's at one another, next time you get angry, First, recognize that you need a moment to cool down. You know, this is where the four square breathing comes in, right? Or whatever kind of breathing exercise helps you or whatever helps you to calm down. You know, know in advance what it is that helps you calm down. Remove yourself from the situation for a moment. Take a moment to calm down. You know, this, kids, this is what timeouts are about. It's a moment to calm down when we've lost control even of our own selves. Now, if you're prone to anger that crosses the line, be especially aware of when you need to remove yourself from the situation for a while. But then, but then, once you've calmed, do like God in the rainbow and make a show of forgiveness. It can be as simple as an apology or a hug, but make sure everyone involved knows that it's okay. I love you just the way you are even when you're angry, even when you're pushing the boundaries. I love you and I want to show it to you.
and know when you do that that God is there. God is perhaps more present in forgiveness than anywhere else. Reconciliation and forgiveness is always a sacred, with a capital S, moment. All right, would you pray with me? Oh God, I can't help but think of how often we test the boundaries with you. I can't think of how often we take the gift of life that you've given us and squander it on the wrong things. Oh God, help us to always seek forgiveness and reconciliation with one another, with parents and kids, with spouses, with co-workers, with friends, with the past, even with our own selves. Help us to find reconciliation and forgiveness. But God, also hear us as we come to you. Help us to use this life you've given us for everything that it is and everything that it can be. And thank you for the always continuing, always new gift of your mercy and love. And thank you for the signs that you give us so that we might remember it always. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.